0: Hey, Dr. Morgan, you are good to go. I'm sorry, it's going to be a little bit. Um, we're going to try to still stop by 1:45 if possible. Always um, pick up a little bit later too if we need to. We have another
1: lecture next month. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. going to have 20 minutes. We'll just do as best we can. Um, okay, so we go from one hard topic to another wonderful topic that everybody loves. Hmm. Okay. so disclaimer on this: I was not going to talk about this because okay. I know a a lot of people are over it; they don't want to be bothered to deal with it anymore. Okay. And B, it's controversial, and a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Dr. Um, place really challenged me on that because we need to know the data. I take care of kids, and people ask questions, and. So, really, all this is, I was supposed to give this in June because the vaccine uh, FDA committee met in June and approved the vaccine for six months to five years. Um, And I got COVID and I couldn't give it.
0: So,
1: um, this is three months late. I have not reviewed any other data except the FDA data. So, we're just going over the original stuff so you can answer the basic questions because it's about to be fall. I got two questions from family members, of parents of little kids this week, asking me about it. So I was going to start asking you, should we do the flu? Should we do COVID? Or they're going to be like, I don't care about COVID. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Just, okay, so take care of kids. You have to have an answer. Okay. Right. So our goals are to review the differences in epidemiology and severity of COVID-19. In kids six months to five years, because it is different. Which is the whole reason why they even bother making a vaccine. Okay, we're going to review that. There's a couple of take-home points. Um, we're going to review the research that the FDA presented, and the vaccine manufacturers presented. We're going to go over a couple of questions. Okay. Before that, we're going to go over a couple of disclaimers. I'm not a vaccinologist, nor do I sit on any FDA or with the advisor committee. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you guys didn't already wonder that. I know this is a sensitive topic. i be very angry at Dr. Place because he told me he was gonna be here. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Again, I have only reviewed the FDA presented data and articles because that was the purpose of this lecture. If you ask me questions about anything else, I will not have an answer. All right, now you guys get to participate. This is a couple of pictures. This is a game you guys get to play. Five slides. The game is what do the items or people or things in this picture have in common? Shirts. iPads. iPads? Are iPads? The they're all the wearing parts?
0: white. are outside.
1: <laughs> white shirts and khaki. Bottoms. Smiling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm hearing they're all smiling. They all have iPads. They're all in white. They're all outside. They're all at risk of catching COVID.
0: Not wearing masks.
1: They're not wearing masks. <laughs> not wearing masks. <laughs> okay, good. This is actually a picture of um, teenagers at a Catholic school.
0: Do these three items have in common? They're all kind of green. Is <laughs> <laughs> a try catcher or not? <laughs> Symbols on the Ascension that's the
1: Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? Trinity! Yeah, Dr. Newborn. Yeah, that was kind of the point of this. Uh, <laughs> They're all the same. They are kind of all green, and it does kind of look like the symbol of the... It's Trinity. supposed to be a dove. <laughs> it kind of looks like the symbol of the Ascension, because Ascension's a Catholic facility, and it's the symbol of the Trinity. So that's, what that's supposed to be the thing they have in common is Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, what do all of these things have in common?
0: HI women. IHI.
1: A little deeper for me.
0: All Catholic. Christian, <laughs> <laughs> Jen. Jen. thank you. What else? We're
1: all doctors, right? Well IHI Christian doctors, right?
0: Also all smiling. They
1: are all smiling. <laughs> 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 okay. This is for Dr. Place, because he would know, but he is not here. So I will have to interject. But you guys can say what they have in common, and I'll tell you the purpose of this. <laughs> Okay. So what they have in common is that they're all Christian physicians. Okay. They're all in training. They all worked at a a clinic in China that I worked with with my family. Okay. So they're all Christian physicians trying to take care of patients um, in that setting. Okay. But they're also all loving each other and dressing up and being goofy and (laughs) and supporting each other in the midst of a very difficult and hard job.
0: Oh, so, they're the, all Grads. All right, these are all at retreat.
1: These are all at <laughs> IHI. These are a lot of staff and graduates of IHI. Again, these are all Christian healthcare professionals who are fighting the same fights that we fight every day. Thank you. Dr.
0: Morgan. <laughs> these are Dr.
1: Morgan's random support people that I just happened to throw in there for fun. My point is that, one last one, these are all Christian women physicians at a conference that I went to. My point is this, as we continue to go through yet may perhaps another winter of controversy, probably it won't be as bad as it has been in the past um, on these topics, is that all to unity as Christians and believers in Christ, as we talk about these issues and as we discuss these things and as we pursue excellence in medicine, in addition to topics, you know, like um, COVID and things like this. So, the purpose is to challenge each other to know the medicine um, and then love each other, even if we disagree by the medicine. John 13 33 to 35. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You look for me. And as I said to the the jews so now i say to you where i'm going you cannot come a new commandment i give you while one another as i have loved you so you also must love one another by this everyone will know that you're my disciples you love washington three twelve to 15 therefore as the elect of god holy and beloved hold yourselves with hearts of compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience with one another and forgive any complaint you may have against someone else. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and Over all these virtues put on love, which is the bond of perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. For to this, you were called as members of one body. I think I went to this Women's Christian Physician Conference recently, and a lot of people I've met over the years from all over the country, dealing with a lot of variety of different challenges in medicine. And I was reminded that yes, we are very blessed. to have the unity of Christ, um, no matter what we're doing, we're doing it right. And so I know this topic of vaccines and COVID has been difficult for all of us and many of our churches. So just encourage all of us that we're still very blessed to be a part of that unity, and we want to continue to pursue that. As we A quick prayer that I can get through 15 yeah. minutes.
0: Well, I thank you for this day. And
1: um, yeah, I just thank you for the union that we all have in you. And I just pray for us in this topic and as we all move forward uh over the respiratory season that we can be prepared and that you'll give us grace and strength and encouragement for each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Unfortunately, um The epidemiology of the COVID virus in six months to five years of age is worse than older kids. Um, Basically overall from ages zero to four years, there were like 2.4 million cases of COVID um, during the two year period. And out of those 2 million, um, the highest rates of hospitalizations were actually zero to four years of age, but then We're only putting this data up there six months to four years because those are the only ones they're doing the vaccines for. So unfortunately, they are the highest hospitalization rate, they're also the highest death rate, and they're also the highest ICU admission rate. That's part of why they went ahead and the vaccine. A lot of people in the community are like, why are they doing this? It's just a bunch of crazy California scientists or FDA scientists. They just want to this is why um, overall during this two-year time frame there were 45,000 hospitalizations of the six month to four year of age range across the country I know that doesn't sound like very much but there's a lot fewer pediatric hospitals as we have all currently experienced that reality um, so 45,000 is a lot from you know a disease that used to have zero so, big change in workflow. It's a big change in um, time off of work. It's just a big systemic societal impact even for 45,000 hospitalizations. Okay, So even without talking about ICU and death, it's just a big impact. Okay, Um, 46 to 68 percent of those who were hospitalized actually did have underlying health conditions. So you're sitting there going like, wait a minute, six months to four years old, how many of those have underlying health conditions? Well, there's actually quite a few out there. We just don't take care of them, Um, but there's a lot of them that have underlying health conditions, right? So A, this age group has the highest hospitalizations. B, you're most likely to be hospitalized if you have an underlying condition. Okay, those are two logical talking points, right? C, if you are hospitalized in this age group, um, you're actually gonna be the most severe, most likely to be in the ICU on high okay, do a BiPAP, CPAP, or ventilator. Okay, so those are take home talking points as far as like, you know, parents, families' concerns, why we're gonna have to have to even ask why we should make a vaccine. Okay. Um, the beginning part of the pandemic, actually, the alpha, right? yeah, the alpha wave wasn't as bad. Delta and Omicron were a lot worse actually in kids, um, primarily just because babies are small. So even if it doesn't kill them, they're still hospitalized you know, because they can't handle it. Um, And particularly um, the Delta and Omicron waves, the hospitalizations in this age group was higher or as high as the pre-print pandemic flu rates. So basically these big committees, when they're trying to decide, should we even bother trying to develop a vaccine for this? Their standard has been the flu. Like Well, we developed a vaccine for the flu. So if it's not worse than the flu, then we shouldn't do it. But beginning, it wasn't worse than the flu and then it got worse, okay? And then the big take home as to why they even bothered to continue to develop it, COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths six months to four years of age were as high or higher than other vaccine preventable diseases at the time their vaccines were developed. So again, we vaccine for other things that were worse than this. Okay, so this just gives you the logic. You can kind of like have this explanation with families and things that are upset, like why are they pushing this on our kids? Like, well, you know, this age group actually is pretty high risk. If you have an underlying condition, they're even more high risk and more likely to be in the hospital unless you don't die. Um, often with similar, that's why. You have to get it,
0: you know, but that's why. Okay, any questions on that?
1: Right. Um, overall, during this two-year time frame that they studied it, there were actually 470 deaths. But anyway, in the range of four to 500 deaths in this age range, about six months to four years nationwide, number fifth cause of death. Again, higher death rate than the previous flu seasons, and higher death rate than HEPA, meningitis, varicella, rubella, coronavirus, all prior to their recommended vaccinations. So again. If you are in charge of vaccine creation, you look at this data and you say, therefore, we should create a vaccine, all right? So my purpose is not to make you now question every vaccine. My purpose is for you to actually start thinking about numbers and why we do these things and what our societal and personal expectations are about what happens to kids and then what our biblical perspective is on that too, as to whether or not we're actually expecting that we're going to prevent all illness in kids, and how are we going to deal with that reality? Okay. This is not a happy topic, right? But we can approach it with joy because we have eternal peace in Christ, no matter what happens. But this is the reality. And actually, the initial COVID infection in this age range is much worse than MIFC, and it's much worse than MIC in general. I got kind of all panicked about MIC. Actually, the original COVID is actually worse. Killed a lot more. Kids. I have friends who work in pediatric hospitals in Memphis, uh, New Orleans, Little Rock. They all saw kids die. Not a lot, one or two, but they did. It was mostly the little ones, or maybe kids that had cancer or some other thing. So it's a reality that we have not had to deal with. Okay. Any questions? this is a very cool article that we're not going to delve into a lot, but basically this is how they're saying that it kills more than other vaccines, preventable illnesses, and JAMA in 2007. Anyway, there's been a lot of research on why should we keep vaccinating things, you know, like what's the point, you know, like are we doing the right thing or not, and so they've extrapolated and gone backwards and looked at data and looked at the number of cases of of these vaccine preventable diseases and hospitalizations and deaths. And it's just, it's a lot, okay? There's a lot of kids who would have been hospitalized, have long-term complications, and a lot of pediatric deaths that we are preventing. And this is a very good article. If you really, really are struggling with the issue, Um, I have the reference for it. If you really delve into this kind of stuff, I mean, if you look at some of these things, you're like, what? Look, paralytic polio in 1951 to 1954, killed 279 kids. That was just the paralytic one. The cute one killed 1393. Pertussis would kill 4034 per year. That's not over the four- year range. That's per year over a four- year range okay. um, And then diphtheria used to kill 1800 to 1,800 kids a year. you know so and then you're also looking at total numbers, cases. And therefore, hospitalizations. I mean, you talk to old pediatricians and they used to see hospitals full of tetanus and diphtheria. And um, so this is, just, this is just reality. Okay. Any questions on
0: this? We're not going to spend a lot of time here. OK.
1: And now we get a few second brain break before we delve into the vaccine data. This is the beautiful California coast. Mm-hmm. It is where, if I could live and afford it and not become a liberal,
0: <laughs>
1: I would go. Is, is that Huntington Beach?
0: Is it Huntington? It
1: is Newport Beach. Newport, okay.
0: Newport. Uh,
1: I don't. Every time I go to California, I'm like, God, I think I belong here. I don't. <laughs> anyway, but it's beautiful. It's also a reminder that God's good, even though sometimes... Oh, no, that's not. Get to struggle with those realities of the good and the bad of it all, and walk with our patients and all of that, right? Lots of mysteries that I don't ever understand the side of heaven, but it is also cool that we caught this guy surfing because I was like, That's also cool, God, that you created this giant ocean and you created man to come up with crazy things like surfing on it. So maybe that's an analogy for how you've created us with the ability to make vaccines. I don't know, it's a stretch, but at least it was a brain break. All right, so here you go. Um, Basically, this is also just kind of education for you guys on like how these decisions are made too, because I don't feel like we always fully understand this stuff, okay? So basically this was the decision, this is how the FDA voted on the emergency use authorization. They get these experts who sit on this panel, they give an introduction, then they get 45 minutes from Moderna, and then 45 minutes from the FDA scientists who reviewed Moderna data, and then they get 45 minutes from Pfizer scientists, and then they have 45 minutes from FDA scientists who reviewed Pfizer data, and then they have lunch, And then have an open public hearing because it's all video online. You guys could have taken eight hours in one day and watched every single minute of it. And then you get question and answer. And then you have committee discussion and voting on Moderna and committee discussion voting on Pfizer. And then there's your decision, okay? So these are how decisions are being made about these types of recommendations, all right? All right, now we're gonna ask, go through just basic data and I'm gonna try to finish in five minutes. Um, going through briefly the data on things that patients will ask relevance. Is it safe? Does it work? Should I give it to my kid? Is it safe? I think the biggest take-home point is it's still really small studies, you guys. Okay. So it was safe. It was safer than getting COVID in this age range where there's a high percentage of hospitalization and ventilator and all that stuff. The side effects actually um, extreme and mild side effects were very low, okay? But it's still very small numbers, right? And that's the, that's the biggest critique that there has been. is like, yeah, you guys approved this, but look at the numbers, <laughs> you know? And the adult data had like 40,000 or plus patient members, okay? And that's just, that's what it is. There were small numbers, it is what it is, right? Um, they were good studies. In summary, these are all of the slides, you guys. There was like 250 slides for me to review. There was, um, they were good studies. They were just small. Okay. Um, they were observer blind, placebo controlled, randomized. The differences between the populations were very, very good, and they were good studies. They were small. They were just small. That's all. Their, that's the only flaw to their studies. Okay. Um, And they divided them up in different age ranges. And they did these two different types of tests to test whether or not the the child would make antibodies, something called immunobridging and sero-response rate. And basically they found, this is all the Moderna data, and they found that um, it was very safe, okay? The side effects basically come down to a lot of, a lot of like local adverse, you know, problems like, um, you know, bad pain at the injection site 37%, local redness, a little hard knot, some groin swelling or axillary swelling. All of these reactions get worse the second time, okay, because it's a second load. That makes sense scientifically. So you can warn your families that. They had one side effect with the first one, it'll probably come back again and it might be worse the second. time. All of these reactions were worse with Moderna. Anybody wanna guess why the mechanism of action of that vaccine might have been worse than Pfizer reactions?
0: about the age range of the kids. Have they gotten other
1: vaccines already? They have. Yeah. The other vaccines are closer in mechanism of action to the Pfizer vaccine, Moderna is a brand new.
0: Mm.
1: So this, these babies have never seen this type of, you know, mechanism of action of the drug before, the um, way that works. Um, the biggest things that you'd need to warn families about that will scare them is fevers. No, none. There was like maybe one kid out of all of the thousands they checked that had a febrile seizure. Febrile seizures can happen. Febrile seizures can happen if you get COVID. Okay, so fevers could happen. All the other stuff that happens with, you know, shots will happen. Okay. Basically, the data is pretty similar for um, Pfizer as well. The overall, take home is that um, the reactions weren't any um, cardiac side effects, there were zero cases of myocarditis um, in any of these studies at all. So none of that stuff that happened with the teenagers happened. Um, in these kids. Um, Again, there was like one febrile seizure apart from that. There was another kid that had like a swollen calf. Very, 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 very safe. But they're going to have fevers, they'll have localized reactions, um, the reactions to Moderna are probably going to be worse than Pfizer. Okay.
0: Any questions on all
1: that? Those are the questions everybody
0: asks the most about. All right, so is it
1: safe? Yes, it's just you know studied in small populations. Does it work? Absolutely, yes, it does work. I will show you. They use these wonderful, fun, fancy things that virologists and immunologists use like geometric mean concentration of the immunogenicity and seroresponsive responsive rate. Basically, they work. And you can draw antibodies out of the kids after they, a month afterwards. They still have antibodies. Okay. It works. And then does it prevent them from getting COVID? Yes, it does. This is the slides about it preventing them from getting COVID. It is um, one of them was I think this one is two over. This is Moderna. It's forty six percent effective from them getting COVID, and um, this is forty six percent for the two to five years old. Thirty one percent from the six to twenty
0: three month old.
1: And then this is Pfizer data. And it is similar percentages. Oh, here we go. Um, the Pfizer actually was a lot more effective um, than the other one because they give it in three doses, basically a take-home. Uh, do you know how long, so you said like they, they were seropositive for antibodies one month after? Do you know how long it took for the antibodies to go away? Because I feel like that's a of, what a lot of parents ask me. Yeah. One month, I don't really care. So they they drew antibodies for two months. They checked for side effects and followed up with kids for seven months. Oh, awesome. So they only were able to do this because they were doing it under emergency use, you know. Mm-hmm. So they really only drew the the blood, you know, to prove seropositivity and they only checked for, you know, COVID testing, you know, did they get COVID for two months? Now you can guess, probably, since it's an adult's three months, you can say the same but they followed up for a side effects for seven months. Where's the V value? Uh, vaccine, I can see. So what does that actually? So they're basically saying Pfizer was like 80% effective at preventing. Um, OK.
0: That's, that's, that's just for a few, few months, right? right after. The data on hospitalizations, death. Okay.
1: Again, they were doing this under emergency use authorization. They had a study design where they were going to give them a dose, then a month later they were going to draw draw seropositivity, going to check them for COVID, they checked them for COVID along the way. And then they were going to give them another dose, they were going to check for seropositivity, they were going to see if they had COVID and that was it. They approved it. They followed for safety monitoring after that. I mean, they didn't approve it at that point, they followed for safety after that.
0: That was two months, two months and then they followed for safety for seven, is that?
1: I'm sure there are probably other spinoff studies, but this is just what they presented to the FDA. So yeah, there's unanswered questions from this. Yeah, what else? Uh, Just maybe like one or two minutes left. Yeah. So should I give it to my child? It depends on, this is what I'm telling patients depends on number one, your underlying health conditions. We don't take care of that many kids that have underlying health conditions in this age range, but if they do, you better believe I'm telling them they should get it. Your kid has is three years old and has Down syndrome, yeah. So um, it depends on their age, right? If they're six months to five years of age, you should think about it. You know? And if you don't, just realize they're the highest risk of being hospitalized and getting sick. It's fine, as long as you know. You ask me the question, I'm your doctor. I so will do the risks as long as you know. Okay. Number three environment it means a lot. It depends on where they live and who they're around and all those kinds of things, right? Four vaccine risks, right? You know, have they had a seizure with, uh, you know, all of that stuff. And then the, the family's comfort, risk, and benefits it's probably just as important as anything else. So I've had two conversations. In this age range, this week with people that I have previously had conversations with, one of them chose to go ahead and proceed and get it, and the other one chose not to. I think they're both totally appropriate. But the point is that I knew enough to tell them basically what I knew, and that was it. And I was very honest I don't know about all the rest of that stuff, but I know these things. You make your choice.
0: Is the, the, COVID part of like OSIS? Like, is it, are they reporting that information? Oh, I don't know. I don't see it on my child. Like, like that frequency? I, don't I don't know. That. OK, are we, but we are offering it to children here. Okay. It's not, so not a requirement to go. to school. Anything else? Uh, too early to say, is this uh, the frequency with which it,
1: it will be recommended? Yep, too early to say. Okay. Thank you guys. I know it's a lot of material. Um, Ask me if you have further ongoing questions, okay?